The Dear Mr. Fantasy podcast is brought to you by Fantasy Sixth Man. Are you tired of playing in fantasy sports leagues with delinquent owners that never set their lineups? This season, give yourself an option off the bench. Go to FantasySixthMan.com and sign up for their in-season owner replacement service with league-wide coverage starting as low as $10 per team. Fantasy Sixth Man, we're the first ones off the bench. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dear Mr. Fantasy Podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How's everybody doing tonight on behalf of the best co-host in the business, Mike Avnielli and Yancy Eaton. My name is Jason Consoli. This is the Dear Mr. Fantasy Podcast, where we put the fan back in fantasy baseball. Today is Tuesday, July 25th. We got a hell of a show for you guys. We got a little mock draft, you know, as we like to say around here. It's never, 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 never too early for a mock draft. And that's where we're going to give you a little preview of the rankings for 2018 season. And it'll have some implications on how we think the rest of this year is going to play out. But before we get started, a word from our sponsor, Fantasy Six Man. Look, some of you out there, you're in the middle of your baseball season. It's getting towards the playoffs. Some of you might even be getting ready to activate your football leagues for uh, for your drafts and for uh, for the upcoming uh, football season for 2017. Why not give yourself an option off the bench this year? Go to FantasySixMan.com. Check out their owner replacement service. They'll set your lineups for you. They'll uh, respond to trade offers. They'll adjust for injuries. Anything that is necessary to make your league stay competitive. Competitive. That's Fantasy Six Man. We're the first ones off the bench. To my proverbial right, the one, the only, the podcast slut, aka Janice Ross, Yancey <laughs> Eaton. It's been a while since I called you that, Yancey. So it has. I was, I was hoping it died, but it no, has died, that that's just gonna live on forever <laughs> and ever and ever, man. How's it going, Yancey? It's going good. I'm a I'm beat down from work, which what, what's new. Um, I'm excited to talk about baseball, and then um, as a little bit of a spoiler, we're going to be talking about football very very soon on this podcast, which I'm also excited about. Um, not a whole lot is exciting. I'm just ready to get into it. It's hot as hell inside this this shed tonight, guys. It's like super super hot. So let's uh let's jump into it. Let's introduce Mike and let's let's start talking some baseball. To my proverbial left, the man on the left coast, the man on the west coast, the one, the only Mike Yavni Ellie. Michael, how's it going, buddy? I'm tired and cranky. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> we're setting the bar for this week extremely low, ladies and gentlemen. This is what we're But doing. now I'm going to talk about baseball, so now I'm going to be happier. There we go. Yay. All right. So as we alluded to earlier, we're going to have a little preview of the 2018 rankings with our very first way-too-early mock draft for 2018. Uh, apparently, you guys like them when we do this. We've done it in baseball. We've done it in football. And like I said, it does have some sort of implications on how we think the rest of this year is going to play off before we do let's get to our segment of three strikes three strikes now it's been a little while since we dropped the podcast we did take a little hiatus so some of you may have forgotten what this segment is we're here to remind you each week we go around the table to our guests to our co-hosts we talk about three things that happen whether it be fantasy baseball related baseball related trades people getting dropped injuries call-ups whatever's clever just as long as it's something that's stuck out to us as uh, as it pertains to uh, to baseball in general and how it can relate to you the de- the listeners of the Dear Mr. Fantasy podcast and how you can apply it to your own leagues. So, um 
gentlemen, I do have some this week that I actually prepared, but why don't uh, why don't you start us off, Mike? What's your first strike? Okay. For my strike one, I'm going to talk uh, about a player that uh, is near and dear to my heart, someone who I consider to be probably the greatest right-handed hitter who ever lived, but he's having a little bit of a bad season, and that is Detroit Tigers first baseman Miguel Cabrera. There's a very interesting piece uh, by Eno Saris on Fangraphs uh, that came out today about buying low on Miguel Cabrera. Did you guys happen to see it? I, I actually did. didn't. No, I didn't. Okay. I just want to point out to those of you who may not have gotten to see it yet. You know, it's, you know, Cabrera has been, you know, we've got to be honest. Cabrera has been a disappointment this year. He's bad. He's got career lows and average career lows in his power numbers. Everything basically looks wrong. You know, he's hitting 256. He's slashing triple slash 256, 346, 422 entering play as of yesterday. But what this article points out that according to his, uh, batted ball statistics according to the profile he should be hitting 295 379 503 okay miguel cabrera has actually been the second unluckiest player in the major league ba- in the majors in terms of his batted ball profile matching his stats you know a lot of that has to do with the fact that he seemed to have lost a lot of his pull power uh And I think that has to do with injuries is a little niggling groin injury here. There's a little, uh, you know, there's a little back problem there. There's all kinds of different stuff going on, but that stuff may not linger. My advice to you, my dear listeners is if you have a Miguel Cabrera owner in your league, I think now might be a time that you can buy low on Miguel Cabrera. Now, if you're in a keeper league, I'm not telling you to keep him because as he ages, this is not going to get better. It's going to get worse. As you know, bat speed goes down and power will decline. But for the for the remainder of this year and for next year, I think this is somebody who could really, really, really be helpful to a team. So if you can buy low on Miguel Cabrera, his numbers do suggest that he's going to have a much better second half than he had a first half. You do have a soft spot for Miguel Cabrera. Listen, man, this is a kid who came up at 19 with the Marlins and hit a pinch hit home run walk off his first at bat. Yeah, I do. That's Mike strike one, Yancey. On to you for strike two. I mean, strike one. Sorry. Just to piggyback off what Mike was saying, I've actually tried to trade uh, Miguel Cabrera in the one league that I have him in, our 16-team Richard Mason Memorial League, Jason, that you're in. Yeah. And nobody wants him. And I honestly thought just off of name value alone that people would have recognized that he's like a surefire um, you know, regression to the positive side kind of candidate. And, uh, I mean, I, I offered multiple players and like a package deal for, you know, different – you know, scenarios and stuff. And nobody just took him up on that, which was really, really kind of shocking to me. I guess perhaps we need to wait till he hits like four home runs in a week and then try to move him. But mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of weird how the, you know, the consensus is that everybody is so low on him. I experienced a lot of this too, with Andrew McCutcheon last season, where um, even though like we knew that he was going to rebound at some point, people just didn't want to have to wait around for it. But in either event, um, so my strike one, uh, I'm going to do a little bit of a trivia question. In the last 30 days, guys, this player is batting 351, 445, 596. Uh, he is fourth in total war at 1.6, and he's in 11th in weighted runs created plus the fan graph stat at 173. Um, he has also stolen seven bases this past month and hit five home runs. Can you guys name the player? I really thought until you said the stolen bases that you were going to take the guy that I was going to just talk about. But um, let me see is it justin upton it's not justin upton although that's a good guess mike you want to take a stab infielder or outfielder um he's an outfielder 
Mm. Batting 351, right. seven stolen bases, five home runs. Over the last 30 days? Over the last 30 days. Uh, I got nothing for you. Just tell me who it is. Um, it's actually Tommy Pham. Ooh, hey, I like Tommy that. Yeah. Tommy Pham. So 351, 445, 596 in the last month. If you're one of those people who uh, thought that you had juiced the orange and got everything out of him before he was done, um, you're sadly mistaken. What was thought to be a you know a future career fourth outfielder, just good enough to make a 25-man roster, but not good enough to get regular playing time. Uh, this 26-year-old has been one of the best players in baseball over the last two months, which is inexplicable, um, except whenever you take into account Cardinals devil magic, which almost at this point isn't fair. Um, he's just been extremely, extremely good. And what's really interesting, too, is the fact that people aren't, despite the fact that he plays on one of those you know franchises that does draw a lot of attention, he's only 68% owned on Yahoo. He has a 929 OPS. He's batting 308 on the season, 13 stolen bases and 14 home runs. This is basically AJ Pollock, but AJ Pollock that stays healthy. Um, and he's, you can get him for basically nothing. So and like AJ said, Pollock on the waiver wire. Yeah, exactly. AJ Pollock is just sitting there waiting for you guys. Um, like this is the type of, you know, Troutian level production that you guys could get. Um, I, I just don't understand why he's sitting out there in so many leagues. I'm, I'm looking to acquire him. I don't know. I, I'm not going to make some sort of like bold prediction and say that he keeps this up or something even, you know, 75 or 80, 80% close to this level of production. But why is he sitting out there in 32% of leagues? Like, please go pick up Tommy Pham. That's my strike one. All right. So for my strike one, all three of my strikes are going to kind of tie together. Um, when I was preparing for our, uh, for our mock draft, I was actually really taken aback when I looked at what Justin Smoke's numbers were this year. In 336 at-bats, this dude is hitting 298 with 27 home runs, 65 RBI, and 56 runs scored. Got an on-base percentage of 377, an OPS of 966. This was somebody that coming into this year was strictly supposed to be a platoon guy up there in Toronto with Steven Pierce um, has a, if you go back to his numbers from last year against left-handed pitching hit 209 and against right-handed pitching, you know, slightly better at 221. Um, this year has just completely figured out left-handed pitching. Now, granted it's still only in, in 79 at bats, but hitting 405 with a 478 on base percentage against right-handed pitching again, Brought that up to 265 batting average with a, a 345 on base percentage. His BABIP is nothing out of the ordinary. It's 308. I think the big, uh, the big improvement with him is he cut his strikeout rate by like 20 percent. And you know, walk rate was always there even last year. It looked like last year he you know walked at 11.7 percent. This year again, 11. Uh, 11.3 percent. Um, surprisingly is not owned in every league. I think he's available as far as as far as ESPN leagues go. Um, he's available in something like 15% of leagues. So if he happens to be out there on your waiver wire, I would definitely suggest going to pick him up. But I have some other ideas for what you could do with him, and we'll get to that in one of my later strikes. But that's my first strike. Mike, on to you for strike two. All right. For my strike two, I'm going to point out something that I saw on Twitter from at CTM baseball. Big shout out to Matt Medica has been a guest on the show and guy and really knows his stuff. Uh, this is uh, a profile of Cody Bellinger. Uh, now a lot, I, I own Cody Bellinger in league of men, Jason, uh, like, you know, and yes, me and my co-owner uh, in League of Men had an internal debate, I guess, about a month ago about Cody Bellinger because of the structure of the team. We were thinking of maybe 
selling high on Cody Bellinger, thinking that this is the best it's going to get. He's, you know, he's going to come down to earth at some point. I've heard a lot of chatter about that. Matt Medica put on Twitter today, in April, in 24 plate appearances, Cody Bellinger had a 20.8 K percentage and a 12.5% base on ball percentage. In May, in 118 plate appearances, 9.3 base on ball percentage, 33.9% K percentage. In 119 June plate appearances, 10.9 base on ball percentage, 26.9 K percentage. But in July, in 73 plate appearances, we have a walk rate that's up to 15.1% and a K rate that's down to 20.5%. Now, you know what that tells me? That tells me that this is a kid that's working hard on his game and that this is a kid that is getting more selective. I replied to this tweet and I said, the kid's growing up in a hurry, and he really is. The more selective he is, the harder it is to get him to chase, the more pitches he's going to see that he can drive. Now, I think that Cody Bellinger, as special as he is, you know, I mean, is he going to approach the kinds of things that he did in May and June? No, maybe not when he hits, you know, however many, like 150 home runs in a month, it felt like. But I think that this is real. And I think that this is a guy who you can look at as a cornerstone piece for a team rather than a sell high candidate. Like I said, this is real. This is somebody who's grown up in a hurry. His approach is really, really, really maturing very quickly. And uh, I think you should expect more great things from Cody Bellinger. Okay. So that is Mike's strike two. Yancy, on to you for your strike two. Uh, my strike two, I just want to mention two players that uh, both, not both of us, but two of us in this show were high on in the preseason and they were kind of like one of our boys. And then we almost like took a loss. And in some cases we actually took a loss on it as is, you know, to imply that the prediction did not work out. The first one's Odebel Herrera. And I don't know if you guys have paid attention at all, but Odo Bell Herrera in the second half, um, he is batting 432. He has a 523 on base percentage. He's taking he's walks, slugging. baby. He's taking yeah. walks. He is, That's all that he, he is needed. Slugging, he is slugging 865. <laughs> you mean O-double Herrera? Wow. Yeah, O-double Herrera. Yeah, so he's he's been absolutely on fire. Like I said, 15.9% walk percentage, and he's only striking out 11.4% of the time. His ISO his ISO is 432, which if you have that as an on-base percentage, you're doing really well. Um, that's so good, I just want Bob. to draw attention. Yeah, that's, that's great, Bob. So you know what's really wild, too, is that slugging percentage is so high, but he's doing it by just hitting a ton of doubles. He actually only has three home runs in the second half so far. Um, and, you know, zero stolen bases, which is a little disappointing. But the point remains that um, his plate approach has completely transformed to where he is in complete control of the strike zone and he knows exactly what he's doing. And this is kind of, you know, the precursor to what we were all expecting uh, in the preseason from Odell Herrera. I know a lot of people dropped him. Um, there were multiple weeks where he was on ESPN and CBS's most dropped players list. Um, go back and get him. It's basically what I'm saying. So Odell Herrera has been fantastic. Um, and then another one, uh, I mentioned him as a bounce back candidate just because he was hurt for a large chunk of the season. But GD Gregorius, uh, same story in the second half so far. I know, you know, we, we're not super far into it, but we're dealing with really small sample sizes in baseball. But in the second half, GD Gregorius is batting 381 and he's slugging 714. Uh, he's been absolutely phenomenal, too. He's hit four home runs, um, you know, scored seven runs, uh, 
not a ton of RBI, but I expect those numbers to go up as well because you got to remember that the Yankees as a, as a whole went through like a two-week swoon where basically nobody was doing anything. But despite that, his numbers are still very, very good. And just like uh, Odebel Herrera, lots of people dropped him. You know, he wasn't even drafted in a lot of leagues, to be completely honest with you. So you can get him for basically nothing. Um, but these are just two players. Like if you guys are looking to make additions, especially at a time now where – um, we know we talk about this every single year, but players are going to start checking out. If you're in sixth place out of 12 teams, you know, you should be fighting to get yourself into contention, but a lot of people are checking out and preparing for football, which is fine, but you're, you know, it's easy to improve your team. Whenever you look at players like a Tommy fam or a Didi Gregorius or an Odebel Herrera, there are ways to drastically improve your team. So that's just two players that you guys can take a look at. That's my strike too. Okay, great. So for my strike, two, it is great. Yes, it is. Yeah. So I thought it was great too. <laughs> I, I, I guess we all think it's great. This is fantastic. Yeah, it's great. Okay. Um, so <laughs> for for my strike two, I want to talk about another platoon guy, or at least somebody that we thought was going to be a platoon guy coming into this year, and that's Travis Shaw. Again, another guy who I think that people don't realize how good he's actually been until you look at his numbers: two ninety four batting average, twenty two home runs, seventy RBI, seven steals, and fifty seven runs scored. Got an on base percentage of three sixty one and OPS of. 928. Again, when you look at his splits from last year with the Red Sox against right-handed pitchers, 257 batting average, left-handed pitchers, 187 batting average. This was somebody coming into Milwaukee that was supposed to strictly just be a platoon bat against right-handed pitching. But if you look at it now, he's hitting against left-handed pitchers, 259. Again, nothing spectacular, but definitely an improvement. And against right-handed pitching, uh, 305 this year. BABIP is a little inflated when you look at that. It's a three... I just had it up here. I'm sorry. 332. The only real difference I can tell from his percentages last year are more of his home runs are going... More of his fly balls are going for home runs. He's got a lower percentage of balls that he's hitting. His fly ball rate is down 10% from last year. His ground ball rate is actually up, but when you look at his home run to fly ball rate, it's 24.7% this year as opposed to 10.3% last year. That just indicates that like that that probably accounts for his for the uh for the Babbitt hitting higher, but I mean, he's got more home runs to show for it. I I like the way that again, seems like another guy who just figured out how something in his swing and is being and has been has capitalized on it so i have with my third strike coming up a little tip on what to do with both of this knowledge but we'll save that for strike three so mike you're up what's your third strike well my third strike's more about uh you know addressing the upcoming trade deadline and uh sort of what you know maybe maybe a word of advice on what to do and i seem like it seems like we talk about it every year but we can't say it enough your trade deadline's going to be coming up in a couple in a week or so you know you've got your your season ending basically what i think you should do at the trade deadline is just don't be afraid to go with what you think about your team and be honest with yourself about your team if your team isn't a team that you feel can win the year roster is you know sort of in the middle of the pack it's mediocre it's you know something like that don't be afraid to blow it up Go get guys that you want. You know, if you're in a keeper league or a dynasty league, go get players that you like that are going to take your team in the direction that you want. I mean, we're in a 30-team dynasty league together. 
I took over a team uh, in that in sort of in the third or fourth week of the season. I took one look at the roster and it was okay, but I said this is a middle of the pack roster. This is you know mid mid table team as they say in European soccer. I traded Madison Baumgartner. I traded Buster Posey. I traded Edwin Encarnacion. I traded Travis Shaw. I trade. I've basically traded. I basically went uh, went full Miami Marlins fire sale. But what ended up happening is that I now have eight or nine of the top 100 prospects in Baseball America and four first round draft picks. So. In a dynasty league, that's a pretty good place to be in, in terms of, you know, positioning yourself for the future in a head to head league, you know, go for the kind of things that if you think your team is strong somewhere, remember, all you got to do is get a certain amount of points and five by five, you got to get five and a half points and you win. So build those five categories. However you see fit, go with your gut and don't whatever you do, take anything personally that someone says to you on a message board. If I should follow my own advice, uh, that's strike three. All right. Yancy, on to you for your third strike. Okay, my third and final strike, I want to talk about a player who two years ago I was really high on, and I drafted him in the second round of the 15-team NFBC league, trying to be, like, super creative, and it did not pan out. Um, this player is batting 314 for 2581 by war. He's been the third most valuable player in baseball. He plays for a juggernaut offense that nobody's really paying attention to. Uh, this player is actually Anthony Rendon, or as Dusty Baker calls him, a number six hitter, which I think is one of the most egregious managerial decisions of our lifetime. He's still running him out in sixth every single night, and it's costing him tons of counting stats. But despite that, like I said, he's still been incredibly, incredibly valuable in real life and in fantasy. Um, 20 home runs, five stolen bases. I mean, he's playing an elite third base, which is you know a position which is not as deep as we thought it would be um, at the start of the season. He's just he's so good. I don't really know how to to spin this into like a fantasy take. I guess like now is the time to buy before um, the offseason, whenever people really started delving into what he was doing and just how in control he is of the plate. I mean, it's the guy's walking 15% of the time. He only strikes out 13.6% of the time this year. And like I said, uh, has been a stalwart of health this season. Whereas in the first two seasons, he had all kinds of injuries on and off the field. This is what a, a, a true like polished college hitter looks like whenever they can actually stay healthy. And I mean, we're starting to see that now it sucks that I was two years early on him, but um, in teams, you know, in, in leagues where I am kind of out of it, or maybe on the outside looking in, this is one of those players that I'm looking to target. And especially long-term Mike, like you were talking about dynasty assets, um, yeah, he's doing really, really well right now. But man, this could be a guy that could be a you know an absolute pillar of your team for the next five or six years. And it's Anthony Rendon, or like I said, Dusty Baker's number six hitter. So that's my strike three. All right. So for my third strike, I'm gonna link the first two strikes I had together with Travis Shaw and Justice Smoke. If you are in a position in your league where you have one of the two of those guys, I'm gonna take it that you're probably doing well but let's say that you have somebody that you drafted a little bit higher like a first baseman or maybe a, uh, a third baseman somebody along the lines of like an Anthony Rizzo or a Joey Votto or a Freddie Freeman or a Chris Bryant let's say you have one of those guys and with the trade deadline and most fantasy leagues coming up within you know the next month or so and if you're in a position where you're looking to go all in for this season and you're looking to put your team over the edge and you have a guy like you know like I said like a, like a Joey Votto or an Anthony Rizzo or a Freddie Freeman I would go and target a guy like a Justin Smoke and another piece for one of those guys because I don't think the production for the rest of the year between somebody like Freddie Freeman or Joey Votto or even Anthony Rizzo is going to be any different than what you're going to get from a Justin Smoke or what you're going to get from a Travis Shaw 
And then on top of that, if you can get another piece that's going to be able to help your team, I say go for it. If the, you know, you can play for the future in leagues like dynasty leagues. That's fine. Even in keeper leagues, you can play for you know. I'm getting a better keeper because I'm out of it. But if you're in a position where you can win this year and you can get another piece along with a guy like a Smoke or a Shaw that's going to put you over the top, I say you have to go all in for it. That's my third strike. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you think this week at Fantasy Six Man at Yancey Eaton at Mike Yaff Thirteen. Now, guys. Let's get on to our way-too-early 2018 mock draft. We had a short discussion about this before we went on air. I think we both agreed that for the first and the second pick, it's going to be Mike Trout and Bryce Harper, and I don't think that there's really any discussion with that. Are we all in agreement with that? For the most part, I think I'm in agreement. There's one other player that I can make the case for, um, but I'm cool with going with those as our top two. Yeah, I mean, you want to okay. go with yeah. There's a, there is actually somebody who I would take before Harper. Okay, so then why don't we do this? Let's just start with the first pick in the draft, um, and we'll say it's going to be Mike Trout. Okay. Yeah. So we'll write that down. We'll say number one overall is going to be Mike Trout for 2018. For the second pick in the draft, let's go to. Let's go to Yancey first. I'll go second. Mike, you go third. We'll go around the horn, and we'll just go, you know, Yancey, you take the second pick. I'll take the third pick. Mike, you take the fourth pick. And then after each pick, we could just give a little commentary. So, Yancey, with okay. the second pick on the board right now, who do you, who are you drafting? I'm going to go with, by war, the number one most valuable player in baseball. And by fantasy, I mean, he's got to be number one or two on the ESPN player radar as far as categories leagues. He's good in points leagues. He's good in every league. And that's Jose Altuve. (laughs) I mean, guys, 15 home runs, already 21 stolen bases. Uh, He's batting over 500 for the month of July, over 500 batting average, which is just insane. Um, You know, two years ago, whenever he hit, what was it, 20 or 21 home runs, everybody said that, hey, you know, enjoy those home runs because that's never going to happen again. Uh, Well, he's obviously going to surpass 20 home runs this season. And in in an environment where you're constantly looking for stolen bases, like I made a big mistake this year where I thought that I could piecemeal together like a run game in, you know, in rotisserie leagues and just kind of have like a bunch of players that stole you know six or seven yeah that's fine because everybody else's stolen bases are down too but when you have a jose otuve and you can almost single-handedly win the category and you gain so many counting stats versus a player that drafted billy hamilton you know and he has like a sub 300 on base percentage jose otuve is just so so valuable he's never hurt he plays at the top of that you know the best lineup in baseball an amazing home park that inflates offense uh, he's, he just seems like I can't miss to be completely honest with you. And while I, I, I think Harper should be right up there in consideration. I mean, Harper stolen two bases all season. So I, the, the stolen bases really shifts it for me. So that's, that's kind of why I'm going with him at number two. Well, the batting average to 365, you know, as opposed to Bryce Harper, who, you know, 336, it's nothing to shake a stick at, but at the same time, that's, that's a 30 point bump. And you're talking about a position with outfield where, You know, there's a little more depth in the outfield as far as top guys go. With second base, it's Jose Altuve. And then, you know, I mean, Daniel Murphy, I guess, is still eligible at second base. But it's still like you're not getting the type of production from Daniel Murphy that you're getting from Jose Altuve. It's it's close, but it's not as, you know, you're not getting the stolen bases, like you said. So, um, Mike, I'm going to assume that that was the guy that you were going to take at second uh, overall as well. Uh, No, actually, it wasn't. Okay. So now go I'm going to take that guy third. I'm going to go Paul Goldschmidt. There you go. Okay. All right. Well, let's do this. Um, 
at third, I'm actually going to take Bryce Harper just because okay. I, I think, you know, I, we've been talking about Bryce Harper for so long. I think we just forget how actually young that he is, like where, you know, he's going to be he, he's going to turn 25 this year in October. And, you know, he's just scratching the surface of like where, you know, he's going to hit. 40 home runs this year with a 337 average. So, you know, again, the stolen bases aren't there, but he plays in one of the best lineups in baseball. I, I And, you know, th- I think that he's just somebody that is going to, as weird as this sounds, he's going to keep getting better. And not that, you know, again, with Jose Altuve, yeah, you know, like you said, Yancey, people said when the year he hit 22 home runs, well, enjoy that because that's never going to happen again, and he just keeps getting better. I think he could say the same thing for Bryce Harper. I think, you know, if – even if he doesn't stay with the Nationals and the rumors of him leaving and going to the Yankees are actually true or some other team, he's only going to go to a team where he's going to continue to put up monster stats. So for me, that would be my third pick overall in 2018. So, Mike, on to you with the fourth pick. I'm going to assume that looking at the landscape of who's out there, you're going to go still with Paul Goldschmidt? Oh, yeah, I'm going with Goldie, and I would have gone with him second, actually. Okay. Um, The reason that I like Goldschmidt is it's just he's the model of consistency, and if he's going to be consistent like this, I'm going to read you three numbers. In 2015, 21 stolen bases. 2016, 32 stolen bases. 2017, 15 stolen bases so far, okay? This is a guy who has hit – now, 21 home runs already. He's got 74 RBI. And people are not, I don't think, realizing. I think he's going to have a better second half than he did the first half because J.D. Martinez is in that lineup now. And that's further protection for Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah. This this guy, I mean, you are already got a triple slash of 308, 427, 561. He's got OPS of 988 for the season. I mean, that's just you know, this is a big guy, a big bopper who steal who's 35. This is 3525. And I think he could end the season with a 320 average, 320, 35, 25 with that, with an OPS of over a thousand. Yeah. Sign me up, please. Uh, he's not as young as maybe you would like for a player. Cause could, this is going to be his age 30 season coming come 2018. But I think you still, obviously he's not a running back. You know, it's not going to be uh, it's not going to be turn 30 and you magically turn into a pumpkin. Um, his run, his running game has actually gone up is 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 the the percentage of running and his stealing percentage has gone up as he's gotten older. This is a guy who you know is in a fantastic offensive environment, one of the best lineups in the National League. Uh, I would consider it a steal to get Paul Goldschmidt for. Yeah, and I mean for what it's worth, you look at a guy like Miguel Cabrera last year who was a borderline first round pick, and he was going to be thirty four this year. I don't think that, especially yeah. when you see the 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 that the stolen bases are still there with Goldschmidt. He's still in the conversation of being a, like a, like a top five pick and a top five overall player year in and year out, as long as he's stealing bases. Um, before we go any further, I would just like to read off the uh, ESPN's ADP uh, for 2017, uh, just so everybody can have like a little content with who went where. So, Mike Trout was the consensus number one overall pick this year uh, for twenty uh, for 2017. Jose Altuve was the second pick. Nolan Arenado was the third pick. Uh, Mookie Betts was the fourth pick. Uh, Clayton Kershaw was the fifth. 
Chris Bryant was the sixth. Manny Machado was the seventh. Paul Goldsmith was the eighth. Josh Donaldson, the ninth. And Bryce Harper was 10th. So just, again, top 10, a little bit of content as to where everybody was being drafted. So now we're at the fifth pick, and there's there's a lot of interesting names on the board here, Yancey. I'm kind of like chomping at the bit to see where you're going to go with it. So five overall with the guys off the board that we named already. Who would you take? Mm. There's three guys that I'm kind of like tossing with. Um, I I know what what, what the right answer is, what I'm supposed to say, and I think that's Mookie Betts. Um, However, I want to go for somebody who – um, they just keep doing it every single year. And like, if you look when ESPN's player rate right now, they're actually the second most valuable hitter in five by five leagues behind Jose Altuve um, plays in an amazing ballpark. We've heard this story before, but um, gets no love whatsoever. And I know this is an off the board pick. And I know that people are going to kind of come down on me a little bit because it's actually the, uh, you know, the less sexy of the two cores field bats. But um, Charlie Blackman is awesome. He's so wow. Okay. I love it. I love it. This is what I like. All right. This is. I love it. Go ahead. Keep going. So like I mentioned on on ESPN's play rater, which which weights evenly every single statistical category and how you contribute to your overall team in five by five. He is the second most valuable hitter in baseball. He's basically been top six or seven every single year. Yet we constantly as analysts find ways to bump him down and take players over him. Um, I love Chris Bryant and I'm not hating on any of these players that we draft in the first round. I love Mookie Betts. I love that he's already stolen 17 bases and I think they're all phenomenal players. If I have any of them on my team, I'm totally excited about it. However, Charlie Blackman, like, is it, he's such a special player and he's actually found like a power stroke this year, which is really wild. He's cut down on the walks a little bit this year, which you would think would negatively affect him. But because he has been more aggressive at the plate, you've seen that yield dividends and just every other offensive category. I mean, we're talking right now on what is it? Uh, July, let's say his date, the 25th. 26, something like that. I mean, the guy already has 24 home runs. I mean, he's on pace to, you know, he's going to flirt with 40 home runs and he already has uh, stolen eight bags on the season. He's just a phenomenal hitter. His batting average is super, super high. It's very stable. I mean, like he's batting 328 right now, guys. Um, And everybody wants to talk about Arenado, who is also an exceptional, exceptional player. But realistically, you know, this is one of Nolan Arenado's best seasons. And I mean, Charlie Blackman, by the end of the year, is probably going to have 30 points of batting average on him. And Arenado doesn't steal bases at all. He has two stolen bases on the season. I just think he's such a good player that's so undervalued. Um, in points leagues, I might I might lean towards like the Mookie Betts uh, over him. But in standard five by five, I think there I mean, there's one hitter who's more valuable than he is. So that's where I'm going to go with that pick is Charlie Blackman. I like that. That's not conventional by any means, way, shape, or form. But at the same time, that's something where it's like, I feel like anybody that I know who has Charlie Blackman on their team is either, they're at the very least, they're making the playoffs. And probably in most cases, they're winning their division. And again, you want to talk about like preseason ADPs. That's somebody who, you know, going into last year, he was a border. He wasn't a first round pick. He was second round pick. So Mm -hmm. If you paired yeah. him with somebody like Mookie Betts or even like his teammate, like Nolan Arenado or like even Jose Altuve or, or, or Paul, Gold, Paul, eh, Paul Goldschmidt, that's you probably have a hell of a team if you have those two guys on your team. So now you put me in a quandary. I was really hoping that you were going to take Arenado. Um, and I have two guys that other than him, I, I'm looking at and one of them. The one who I'm going to wind up taking, I'm going to probably catch 
catch the most crap from everybody for. Um, uh, I don't want to do it, but I think I'm going to have to do it. Uh, you're going to have to go with Aaron Judge here, right? Like, the guy's going to win the Ooh. MVP this year. Whoa. Like, I was not expecting that. <laughs> well, all right. Let's take a look at the tape. <laughs> like, let's go to the tape, Bob. 32 Show the footage. Home, yeah. Show the footage, Bob. You know, 32 home runs this year. He He's... He's batting, you know, over. All right, I'm going to pull the stats up. So, so 32 home runs, batting 310 with a 434 on base percentage, six stolen bases. So it's not like you're getting nothing from that as well. Uh, 73 RBIs, 79 runs scored, and you know, really, all that we have is just this. The the, the one knock on him, and this is the one reason why I'm hesitating with him, is 125 strikeouts. And that's what I was just about to say. And now that I'm looking at that, I'm talking myself out of it. Oh, all right. Yeah, I'm talking myself out of it. I'm gonna go with <laughs> I'm gonna go with Arenado. And okay, I'm gonna go with Arenado here, just because again, it's you're not devout you're not devout of power <laughs> stats. It's it's 22 home runs. He's hitting 311. It's somebody who you know even. Last year finished, you know, third on the player radar. He hit 294, you know, with a 362 on base percentage with 41 home runs. I mean, I don't think you could go wrong with either of them. I just think that the downside with Judge where if he, you know, if the strikeout rate gets any greater, you're talking about maybe somebody who's 275 as opposed to 310. I mean, we look at what happened with him out of the all-star break and it dropped his average a little bit. So... Yeah, I uh, I think just to be safer here, I'm gonna go with Arenado at six. But for me, I mean, it was it was damn close. But Mike, onto you with the seventh pick. Who are you gonna take? Just quickly on Aaron Judge, I just want to point something out. Aaron Judge's average has fallen thirty points over the last thirty days. Yeah, exactly. So, so you know, like I've always said about Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge was a two seventy two seventy five hitter in the minors. That's probably what he's going to be in the majors. Uh, you know, it's the power is legit, and I do think he's a borderline first round pick. I do, but I I think with Arenado sitting on the board, I think you have to grab him now. Yeah, we're going to see. I mean, like obviously, I have a feeling he's going to be in the next couple of picks at some point in time because I yeah. think we're going to get to certain guys where it's going to be like, well, the upside of even if he touches this again, Judge, like if he comes next, like close to this, it's going to be a little too hard to pass up, but. You know, yeah. You're sitting here at seven and we got so far Trout, Altuve, Harper, Goldschmidt, Blackman and Arenado off the board. Who is your next pick? Carlos Correa. I like that. OK, go ahead. And make the case. This is Carlos Correa, unfortunately, now on the DL for the next four to six. He'll probably be back around September 1st. If you look at this, this is his age 22 season. This is his third year in the majors. He's been in the majors two and a half years. When he went on the DL, triple slash was 320, 400, 566 with a 966 OPS, OPS plus of 166, okay? 20 homers, 67 RBI. The only problem is the big zero in the stolen base column, which I don't like and I don't understand. But this is somebody who has speed. He had 27 steals his first two years in, in his career. So this is somebody who can do it. They're just not running him right now. I just think that the sky is the limit for this kid. As you guys have heard me say, if you've listened to this podcast at all since I've been on it, I think Carlos Correa is Alex Rodriguez part two. Uh, I think he just goes up from here. And, uh, you know, plus the fact he plays a position which is a wasteland. 
in terms of the value that you've gotten. I mean, you basically have gotten what two shortstops this year. They've had a good year. Three. Yeah. I mean, if you want to, uh, I, I think certain guys pick it up in the second half, but yeah, I mean, it's really only been, it's been Correa. You can make a case for Corey Seager. When, Seager. Yeah. When Trey Turner was healthy. He was having a really good year. Yeah. But that's about it. That's I mean, the it, rest yeah. of it is just it drops off a cliff after that. You know, I mean, Elvis enough. Andrews looking, had a resurgence, yeah. which was fun. But I mean, how is that real? You know, oh, Andrews well, I mean, and Simmons, you know. Yeah, and you're not going to And By no means are you t- taking Elvis Andrews anywhere in the top 30 players. So, Of course not. No, anywhere in the top 50 or 60 players. So my point is you lock in an elite player at a position where elite players seem to be a little bit scarce. And, you know, he's going to be 23 and you know i don't think the sky's the limit i think it's higher than this guy this kid is unbelievable and i would be happy to have him surprised you didn't take him at four then just because again this is you know like you're definitely more and i don't think i'm breaking any news by saying this but you're definitely more of the play the upside on the younger guys than the guy who's like you know, you do have like you have the, the the place for like the Miguel Cabrera's and the Goldschmidt's, but you've always been a guy that likes the younger guy when it comes. Not in to the it. first round, though. Really? Usually not in the first round. Yeah. Right. First round's about mitigating risk. Yeah. Okay. This guy is just to me. This guy is a talent on the level with Mike Trout. Okay. Fair enough. So Yancey, at number eight, there are a lot of interesting players left there. Where, you know. Some of them you could have made the, the case to go as high as three, I feel. So let's see which way you're going to go. Um, again, there's a like my heart wants to do one pick and then my head's telling me to do another. I'll go ahead and just not to sound like super hot take you tonight. I'll, I'll take what's the right pick, which I think is Mookie Betts um, over the last the past calendar year uh, he's hit 28 home runs he's stolen 27 bases he's walking almost 10 percent of the time and he only strikes out 8.5 percent of the time actually the red sox as a team uh do not strike out at all which is just really wild because you know a few years ago that was the complete opposite where there were all kinds of bats in, in that lineup where uh you could target them like in tournaments and stuff like that just because they would strike out and give you a really nice floor but over the last calendar year mookie Betts has been the most valuable hitter in baseball um he's just Phenomenal. I mean, I expected a little bit of regression in the power department um, this year over last simply because when you took into account that six of his home runs came in two games, he had two, three home run games last season. And that was more just him, ex, you know, exploiting like a really, really bad pitcher twice. Um, I still think that he's just super safe and I love the floor that the, the stolen bases give me. So I'm going to go ahead and take him here. It's not sexy. Um, he may end up like completely smashing again next season and kind of like, you know, thrusting himself back into that top three or four overall pick discussion. So right now he's just outside of it for me, but I mean, I have to take him here. So that's my, what is it? Number eight. Yeah, that's number eight. And I like it. Um, At number nine, I don't see how I could pass on Chris Bryant here again when it comes to, yeah. I mean, the fact that he's at nine where, you know, last year he, he basically, he was what, like, I think, six or seven off the board and it's not like he's having a bad year by any means way shape or form where you know he's hitting 280 with a 403 on base percentage um seven steals 19 home runs you know he's the rbi is not there i i think that's just i think that's just the cubs as a whole their their lineup's been a little disappointing but um still only 25 has an mvp under his belt Definitely somebody I can make the case for 
continuing to develop. And, you know, if, if I was this high on Harper, I'd be kind of a hypocrite if I didn't say that, like, you know, that, that, that I didn't believe that Chris Bryant could continue to get better from here. I'm really, really disappointed in myself for passing on Aaron Judge again. But, Mike, I mean, maybe... Maybe you're going to show some love here, or maybe you want to go in a completely different direction. There's there's a guy on the board here that I have a weird feeling about with you that you're going to want to take, but let's I'll let you take it from here. Who are you taking with the 10th pick overall? Well, I'm a little bit torn. Um, there are three players that, uh, that kind of, I think, belong here, three hitters, and then uh, there's a pitcher that I would also consider taking here. But if I am going to go with what my gut says to do here at pick number nine, I'm going to pick Trey. Pick number 10. It's number 10. I'm picking Trey Turner here. I was wondering if that's, well, I was wondering if he was going to creep into the first round. I didn't think he would go this high, but you know what? Tell, tell us why you're taking him here. I'm taking Trey Turner for it's a cousin of the reason that I'm taking Carlos Correa. Okay. Um, basically you're talking about, you know, we've been talking about stolen bases. It seemed like we've talked about stolen bases, uh, in every other pick here, but Trey Turner has a potential to steal 70 bases in a season, 70 or 80 bases in a season. He really does. And it all, it all depends on how he's going to get on base. He's at the, he's at the top of a very potent lineup. I don't think it's injury prone. And you see, he was absolutely uh, a wrecking ball when he was healthy before he got hurt. I don't think this is an injury prone thing. I think this is a freak sort of an occurrence that he got hurt. Uh, and I think when he comes back and he plays 150, 155 games, you know, you're talking about a kid with the potential to hit 290 to 310 and steal you 70 bases, score triple digit runs. He's got a little pop. You know, it's not going to be a lot, a little pop. He's going to get a little RB, a few RBI because there's going to be a lot of guys on base in front on base when he hits. It's hard to pass up. It's very hard to pass up. So as much as I like a couple of the other guys, there are a couple of safer picks here. I'm going to do exactly what I said uh, just now that I don't do in the first round to take Trey Turner. Yeah, a little high for my liking. I can understand where you're coming <laughs> from with it. Um, definitely can make you. And the other thing, too, only, what, 23 years old or 22 years old? 22. Yeah. So the upside is there. Um, I actually thought you were going to go the route of a pitcher. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a little for me, I would have waited a couple of rounds. But. Uh, I don't think you can wait a couple of rounds. No, not a couple of rounds. I would have, he would have been like a, he would have been towards the end of the second round for me. And I think that people are going to not forget about him going. Look, here's the other thing too, is I think that, like you said, once he does come back off of the DL, which I mean, he's, he's still got like, he's still got a while ago. I don't think he's been cleared to go in a rehab assignment, but this could be somebody that like, if you pick him up in a trade or something in the second half, you know, could wind up as long as he can, as long as that wrist is okay, and this isn't one of those things that linger. Could have like a hell of a second half. So, you know, something to keep in mind if you have somebody that's a Trey Turner owner, maybe you can lowball him for something. But yeah, I, I don't, Yancy, do you have any thoughts on the pick? No, I like it. Remember, I was 
like the consensus highest in our mock draft last season on Trey Turner, just because yeah, I thought that's right. where he was going to go. And um, I mean, even now with him being out so long, the the advantage that he gives you in rotisserie leagues is just it's it's unbelievable. I mean, you know, we, we've talked before about like Billy Hamilton, how they're like, oh, yeah, you win one category, but it's kind of sinks your other categories. And then people are slapping the label on Trey Turner that, you know, he wasn't going to hit any home runs and that he was going to be a one category stalwart. But I mean, <laughs> the guy can hit 340 in the majors. Yeah, is average it. a category? Yeah, that also counts, guys. I hate when people say that stuff. They're like, oh, D. Gordon's going to kill you. You know, this is like two or three years ago. He, he, yeah, he's going to steal your bases. But what about your slugging percentage or what about power? Yeah, well, I also, you know, won a batting title with him. You know what I mean? So there's a lot to consider there, but um, I, I don't hate it. It might be I don't I, I don't know. I, I honestly you guys are talking about because he's been out. People have kind of forgotten about him. I did kind of forget him out a little bit. I wasn't even like, you know, toying with the idea of drafting him in the first round, but I don't hate it. Um, I just want to see what he does when he comes back. You know what I mean? That's that's the big thing for me. Um, yeah. So we're on pick what? Pick 11? Yeah, we're on pick 11. And just to recap what we have off the board, for number one overall, we had Mike Trout. Number two, Jose Altuve. Number three, Bryce Harper. Number four, Paul Goldschmidt. Number five, Charlie Blackman. Number six, Nolan Arenado. Number seven, Carlos Correa. Number eight, Mookie Betts. Number nine, Chris Bryant. Number 10, Trey Turner. Um, notable that out of last year's top 10 Based on ADP, uh, Manny Machado, Josh Donaldson, and Clayton Kershaw dropped out. New ones in are Carlos Correa, Trey Turner, and, uh, well, Charlie Blackman, Carlos Correa, and Trey Turner. You know, just notable, not a ton of, not a ton of turnover. Some people shifting up and down a little bit, but, you know, looks about right. Like I said, the Turner for me was a little high, but I can understand the argument for it. And again, I think the people that you're going to, that I would argue against, they're either going to go in the next couple of picks or they have their warts too with them. But Yancey, let's see where you're going to go. Let's, let's do this guys. Let's each make one more pit pick and uh, we'll table the rest of it until next week. So, okay. Yancey, what do you got? Right. Uh, so we didn't really specify like what league settings we were drafting for. If oh, this I'm is sorry. a points. Five, yeah. yeah. Well, it's five by five uh, categories. Okay. So, um, Assuming that you're in an on-base percentage league, which I know a lot of you guys are, or you're in a points league where, you know, you you have minus a full point or a half point for strikeouts, um, there is one player who is perennially overlooked every single year. He's not even particularly beloved by his own fan base just because he plays for a bad team. But over the last calendar year, this player, another trivia question, guys, this player has hit 38 home runs. He's scored 108 runs. He has batted in 116 RBI and he's stolen four bases. He's also batted as an average 337 with a 439 on base percentage and a 605 slug. Can you guys name the player? Joey Votto. Chop, 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 chop. Yes, Joey Votto. Guys, I don't know if it kind of snuck up on me with, with Joey Votto because like, I know he's always good. I mean, he's, he's the safest pick in DFS every single day. I mean, especially when he's at home and against, you know, right-handed pitching, which is 75% of the time, but Joey Votto has been so freaking good this year. He has 26 home runs. He's shipped in a couple stolen bases, but I mean, he almost never gives you a zero. He is so incredibly consistent. Like I said, in points leagues and depending on your league settings, he's the second or third most valuable hitter in every single league in rotisserie. He's not one of the top players just because, um, you know, he doesn't steal a ton of bases. If he ever just randomly decided to do that, I think he could too, but he is such a good underrated, uh, hitter in almost every single regard, especially in on base percentage leagues. He's been a consensus, you know, top 
five or six pick for the last three or four years, just because his, you know, he just draws so many walks, but I think it's gotten to a point now where the power is so legitimate now. And he's made it very obvious that if he wants to hit 35 home runs, he can very easily do that. Um, This isn't like an Ichiro thing where he says he can hit for power, but never did and just chooses to be a slapstick hitter like his entire career. Um, I mean, he's phenomenal. There's a lot of different ways we could go here with this, but um, there, there's like this really nice, you know, floor as far as like safety goes. And I still think he has something even more to prove as far as the power goes. I mean, he realistically could hit 40 home runs in a season. I truly believe that, um, especially if they do anything as far as like adding some, some bats around him, assuming they don't sell off the farm and get rid of like a Zach Kozar or Shebler or, you know, any of those, you know, culminating pieces. But man, Joey Votto is so freaking good. He's one of my favorite players and nobody ever gives him any respect. So well, he uh, he's going to be 11th. He could hit 40 this year. He's already at 26. Yeah, and yeah. not for nothing. Yeah. Last year, 29 home runs with 101 runs scored and 97 RBI with eight stolen bases at a 326 uh, batting average. I mean, in a 5 by 5 categories league, how is that? Like, not even I, – I, I get your point about the uh, the on-base percentage and in points league, but in a 5 by 5 category league, like your standard leagues, how is that not like a top 15 player? You know, like – right. It's yeah, one, it's 100% that like, all right, granted, like you said, like if he had like, if he had five more home runs, like let's say he had 34 home runs last year, then the guy's a top 10 pick guaranteed. Like, yeah, I but, agree. Yeah. So, all right. At, at number 12, I really want to take Kershaw here. I really do. Because I think that, you know, when I think the narrative with Kershaw and, you know, this was kind of the narrative with him going in this year was the back injury and that it was going to slow him down. Guys, it wasn't slowing him down. The guy had like a sub two ERA and, you know, had a K per nine of 10 plus a game, like where he was, he, he was on his way to being a Cy Young award winner again. And, you know, uh, you, you cross your fingers that like in four weeks he's back and he is, uh, and, and he's still lighting it up. But I, I think, I think if I'm going to, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it here as I'm going to go Aaron judge at 12. Um, all right. You know, I mean, like, look, I was willing to take him a lot earlier. I think that now it makes a little sense because again, you're probably pairing it with somebody with a little bit more safe with a little bit. When you get to it towards the end of the first round, depending on the size of your league, if this is a 10 team league or a 12 team league, you know, let's say you have the wraparound and you get like, you know, uh, a Joey Votto and an Aaron judge. That's a nice little cornerstone for your franchise. And, you know, I, I do think, like you said, Mike, his batting average dropped 30 points in the past 30 days. I think even again, if his batting average continues to drop a little bit and you're going to get him at 280, 285 for the year, and you can expect maybe 270, 275, you're still going to get the home runs. You're still going to get at least double-digit stolen bases. You're going to get the RBI. You're going to get the runs scored. And, you know, when you look at the rest of the outfield that's there, I there are other guys that I think that you could take there. It just feels like, it feels like, I mean, this guy might win the MVP this year, and we're waiting until the second round to take him. Like, I, and, you know, granted, real-life baseball, fantasy baseball, I get it. This guy's if if you have this guy on your team, you're probably in the mix for, you know, a championship this year. I think if you get him in the end of the first beginning of the second round next year, you're going to that's a nice cornerstone to have. So I'm going to just put him in for me at number 12 thoughts. Can I just jump in and say, um, 
I, I don't think you're wrong and I'm not like hating on your pick, but for whatever reason, like as soon as you mentioned Aaron judge, like this immediately feels like one of the major talking points we're going to be discussing all off season. Like this is going to be uh, the, the point in the draft where it's like, there, there's going to be a lot of discourse either way. Just like last year, it was Trey Turner two years ago. It was Carlos Correa as like a top 10 pick, you know, having only, you know, a, a couple months of experience. Like this is going to be what we're talking about for like, you know, the entire off season. Like I firmly believe that I don't hate the pick. I just feel like, man, if there's a player where like he can fall off a cliff, I think it's Aaron judge. I really, really do. Well, and like, I, I, yeah. And, and I agree with you. The one caveat I'll put with that is, We've have a half season under our belt of him so far. I think it's going to, we're going to have to see what he does for the rest of this year. I think that he's going to give us some sort of what he's been doing now for the rest of this year. And in that sense, if that's yeah. the case, how is he not a top 10 pick next year? True. Um, it's a full season. That's now. true. That's true. Go ahead, Yancy. It, it, I don't really have anything like, particularly eloquent to say about this. It's just it, this, this feels like the textbook trap. Like this feels like a, where, you know, X number of leagues, you know, however many percentage of leagues are going to be taking him as like a top 10 player and it's not going to work out. And just through attrition, like if you took like a, this, this is going to be the year to take like a safe player. You know what I mean? Like if Charlie Blackman sitting there at like 10, you have to decide between like him or Mookie Betts or, you know what I mean? Like, uh, to me, like the boomer bust potential is just, it's so high for me. Like it's, it's, it's more high than any other of these like first year, like breakout stars that we've drafted in like the last decade. Like, I don't know, like I, I could tell I'm already going to, you know, have like panic attacks thinking about this in drafts because I, I see Jason's point where it's like, this could very well be like, he hits 55 home runs and he steals 12 bases and he wins like, you know, his second MVP award, you know what I mean? And like, everybody's like kicking themselves because they drafted, you know, Jose Ramirez 12th instead of Aaron judge. Um, I I'm just scared. I'm like, I'm super, super polarized either way. Oh yeah. And I mean, look, don't get me wrong. When, when I went to take him at six, it was terrifying, but at 12, it's a little more palatable. I feel like, I feel like, again, you're going to be in a position where if you're at, I don't think that by any, I like, look, if he continues, this, is he going to get top five consideration? Probably, but I don't know if I feel comfortable taking him there. It's like, I'm trying to think of what the parallel was to it this year. There were some guys where it was like, I think if he felt like, you know what it was? I don't know if you guys remember this, but in the preseason, we were, we were discussing the Milwaukee Brewers and we were talking about Jonathan VR at like 35 and even Ryan Braun at like 32. And Mm -hmm. We were discussing which one of those two would you rather have? Would you rather have Ryan Braun at 32 or Jonathan VR at 35? My response was neither. And it's not that I didn't like either of the players. It's just where they were getting taken, it was too high for me. So it was probably guys that I was not going to own. I wouldn't have felt comfortable taking him there. Now, Judge at 5, I don't feel comfortable with that at all. Judge at 12, if I can pair him with somebody else it's a little more palatable for me because again yeah you know if 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 even if you get 260 out of him but the power is still there and he steals double digit bases you're not in terrible shape so that's true and i and again i also don't hate the pick i mean believe me you know you're 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 talking to aaron judge's champion you know like of of all time on the dearest fantasy podcast 
I just wonder if, and forgive my dogs are sort of freaking out about this. They're panicked about Aaron Judge, too. <laughs> um, I just wonder if it might not be better to take a guy like Kershaw in this spot or something else. Right. And then around later, you get a guy who might not have the, oh, my God, look how far he hit that ball 750 miles. But he hits a lot of home runs. You can add a guy like Cody Bellinger in the second round. Well, you yeah, can add Jake a guy Lamb like or somebody like John Carlos Stanton. You can add a guy like who I personally think, you know, for me in this next year's draft. Here's a hot take for you. You ready? Okay. Yes. I want Stanton more than I want Judge. You want to know why I want Stanton more than I want Judge other than the fact that I'm a Marlins fan? I want Stanton more than I want Judge because I've seen Stanton do it before and I know he can. I've only seen a half season or a full season of Judge, so I'm not as sold on Judge as I am on Stanton. That's my only thing and I think the production is going to be nearly identical. You know, you know and, why you know why I want Judge over Stanton? Cuz you're a Yankee fan. <laughs> How many how many full seasons in the past? Oh my god, I'm so tired of this argument. Just saying. He got hit in the face with a baseball. I'm just saying, this if you, argument. He's I had, hate it. He's had one season in the past five years where he's had over 450 at bats. I'm just throwing it now. If he does it this year, that's two, and that's fine. I'd still consider him as like like you said, Mike, like a second round pick. I don't know. And the other thing too is. If things play out to fold and they both hit for power, Judge and, and think, but but Judge finishes thirty points in batting average ahead of him, with which is not going to happen. I mean, it, it's right now it's looking that way, and not only that, he's going to get more stolen bases too. And thirty it, days ago, it was seventy points. I mean, right now, Mar right now, uh, right now, uh, what's his name? Uh, John Carl Stanton might not even be the best outfielder in the Marlins outfield. He just has the most home runs. Like Marcelo Zuna, I can make a case for taking him over John Carlos uh, over John Carlos Stanton. I will say this though: not only does Stanton have more home runs than Ozuna, he also leads the league in home runs. Like I, I don't so think does Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge has thirty-two of them. That was the point I was trying to make. Oh, are they tied? Yeah. Oh, okay. They are tied. Oh, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, honestly, I, I'm not trying to like be like uh, like a jerk about this, but like the the whole Aaron Judge versus Stanton thing is a little tired, but the whole Stanton, oh, you know, well, I'm not going to draft him because of injury concerns. That's a little tired too. Especially because like, even in his worst seasons, like he's still going to give you 25 home runs. If, if it doesn't work out, he is not the reason why your team loses, right? If you draft uh, any other players, virtually any other players and they don't work out, you can attribute that to one of the major reasons why you did or did not win a championship. Whereas with Stanton, even when he's hurt, he still produces, even when he plays a partial season. You compare that with a uh, elite hurt, he average. Still produces? What do you mean? At, at the course, of, at the end of the season, he still produces. His numbers oh. are still there. So, oh. like, you could pair him with somebody that you can get off the waiver wire for next to nothing, and you still have like a well above average player. And like I've said this a million times, like he's going to hit 50 home runs, and it's, it may even be this season. And guess what? He's going to be on half of Yancey's teams because everybody. It's just like Evan Longoria. People were saying this about Evan Longoria, and given I know that's not a great comp because he's been bad this year, but they said the same thing about Evan Longoria that he was injury prone, and they didn't even bother to look that the guy had missed one game in three years. They were used to oh yeah, four years ago he missed half the season because of an injury. You see 
what I'm saying? Like, it's going to be like that where this year he's going to play all season, only miss a couple of games. And everybody's going to be like, yeah, he had a good season, but you know, it was only because he stayed healthy and he got the counting stats. You know, I, I, I'm not sure about that. And the next season he's going to play hopefully all season. And they're like, well, yeah, but if you look though, like the injury concerns are still there. And then he doesn't take another fastball to the face. And the next thing you know, like, he he's had three seasons of almost full playing time. And then everybody's just missed out on all that production. Like I, for whatever reason, like I'm always defending Stanton just cause like, I think like his talent is so special and given, yeah, some of those were like soft tissue injuries or hamstring injuries, but a lot of this stuff was just fluky injuries that could have happened to anybody. And we're going to hold that against him as like a scarlet letter for the rest of his career. Like, I just don't get it. We're, we're going to take a guy that batted 179 as recently as a season ago over him. Who's, you know, like, that's Aaron judge. And like, we're like happily taking him in the first round. I just, I just don't get it. I don't. I get your point at the same time. Like it's not just like, uh, all right, I have, I have his stats up in front of me. 2012, 123 games played 2013, 116 games played 2014, 145 games played. That's basically a full season. 200, 2015, 74, 2016, 119. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, th- that's what he's done over the past five years. There's one season in there where you got a full season out of him. So if you're taking somebody in the first round, like I'd like to know that that's like a guaranteed lock. I'm gonna get a full season. I didn't say I'm taking him in the first round. Oh no, I, but Yancey was just playing the whole Judge versus John Carlos Stan thing. So again, that's if you're talking about Judge as a borderline first rounder, I have no problem talking about Stanton as a borderline first rounder. Like I, I, for me, I'd rather wait till the second round to get him. But again, if judge continues to do what he's doing, he's going to finish as a top three overall player. I don't think I would take him inside the top five. I'm more comfortable taking him now where I took him at 12, where, you know, again, Kershaw was in the mix there. I think that there was something more, but you know, you know what threw it all for me with Kershaw? The fact that you look at like what you, you look at what Max Scherzer's doing. Max Scherzer's having a great year this year and it's kind of getting overlooked because he's not going to win a Cy Young because of Kershaw. Chris Sale has, yeah. is, is having a good year too. Like there's, there's, I, I think the upper tier of pitchers, they're still there. There's still like five guys that you could draft and say like, you know, even Bumgarner since he's been back has been has been pitching very well. So, yeah, I, that's my only hesitation with Kershaw. I know you're getting something a lead out of him, but if you take him at like 10 or 11 or if you wait to get a guy like, you know, Bumgarner or Granky in like the 20s, like, you know, you're still not in a terrible spot. Like if it's a point. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. If, if it's a point. Lead, I have. Pick. Sorry. I have a pick, right? I have one more pick, you right? You have one more pick, so let's get to you because we're running a little long on this. Yeah, okay. We have plenty of time to yell at each other about Aaron Judge. Absolutely. So um, at 13, who are yeah. you taking? It is Clayton Kershaw, okay. and I'll tell you exactly why. Yes, you know, there are other pitchers who are doing this, and it's now become fashionable in the national media to talk about, oh, maybe Clayton Kershaw is not the best pitcher in baseball anymore, blah, blah, blah. Do you realize that Clayton Kershaw has an ERA of 1.99 since July of 2012? I do because I retweeted this tweet. Exactly. (laughs) I am saying that to your listeners out there, those of you who don't follow Yancey on Twitter, it was retweeted. Clayton Kershaw has an ERA of 1.99 over the last five years years that is redonk (laughs) that is not something 
that it, there is a clear-cut best pitcher in baseball. It is Clayton Edward Kershaw. He's leading the majors in ERA again this year, 2.07, which is actually higher than it's been. Uh, you know, he had allowed two earned runs in 36 in the third innings before he got hurt. The guy is on another level. As a matter of fact, to me, he is so much better than any other pitcher that I will take the fact that he is going to miss a month or a month and a half with a back problem. I'm going to pencil it in. I'm penciling it in six weeks on the DL for Clayton Kershaw next year, and I'm going to take it because he is that elite. I'm absolutely willing to overlook it. He's the best pitcher in baseball. It isn't close. Give me Clayton Kershaw by 10 miles. Quick question for you, Mike. If I had taken Kershaw 12, what would you have gone with at 13? Uh, probably Skurzer. Okay. Fair enough, because that's another guy who was in the mix for me in terms of... I, I think it's safe to say Kershaw would be my first pitcher off the board. Yeah. But, again, you know, you can't overlook like... I mean, we had the discussion. I forgot when it was. It was we did a, a Who'd You Rather early in the season about Chris Sale versus the field. And that at yeah. the time was a legit question, like where, you know, you look at what he's done. He's striking out over almost 13, you know, per nine innings. It's, it's Oh, he's going to give you 300 Ks yeah, this exactly. year. And he's going to probably win the Cy Young, like where, you know, and he, what, so. what's funny is you look at Corey Kluber. He's basically doing the same thing, too. You know, Zach Greinke is having a hell of a year, too. Somebody that nobody really even talks about. Jacob deGrom is having a hell of a season, too. Like, yep. yeah. there are some pitchers that are having these years where it's like, well, this isn't like... This is this isn't 2008 where it's all about hitters all the time. Like this is there are guys legitimately that are just having like ace seasons where, you know, you can make a case for any of these guys. So that's true. And something to point out, too, about pitching is that those guys that are aces that are having these ace seasons are so far removed from the rest of the field because the rest of pitching has been so pathetic. Yes. Generally. Mm -hmm that it is vitally, vitally, vitally important that you have one or you two have somebody. Exactly. of those guys. You've got to have it because if you don't have it, you're just not going to win your league. Pitching is half I – mean, in, in a categories league, pitching is half the categories. Yeah, it's yeah. funny how there's like – there are those like four or five guys and then the drop-off afterward is just like like – puke in my mouth like when you look it's at guys, mariana like, trench i mean it's yeah. gross look at like yeah. a guy like you know like you, you look at a guy who won a cy young a couple of years ago like jake arietta he, he's got an era over four it's just like what's going on you know what's neat too is to look at the uh, i reference the espn play rater a lot just because i mean it's it's next to perfect as far as valuing what players are actually worth in rotisserie yeah. leagues and even still uh, among hitters and pitchers clayton kershaw is number one obviously that's going to go down a little bit just because he's not going to be contributing you know strikeouts and wins and stuff but he's number one uh max scherzer is number two chris Sale is number three and mm -hmm. it, it basically it, it's weighted so each category gets a point right and it adds it up uh, your total points for 2017. So Clayton Kershaw's number is 14.37. Max Scherzer is 13.7. Sale is 13.51. And then it drops all the way down to 9.96 with Zach Granke. Yeah. And then basically, like you guys said, like Kershaw at the top, um, if you go down to eighth, uh, Strasburg is at 7.97. Kershaw's basically been twice as valuable 
in rotisserie yeah. leagues as Steven Strasburg is, and Steven Strasburg is a top eight pitcher. Which is insane. So, like, that's the case that Mike's making, sick. where it's like, you can literally start... I I, I mentioned this in the preseason with, with Kershaw, because I, I, I believe I alluded to the fact that, like, I have back problems, and stuff like that doesn't go away. It's very fickle. Uh, whenever you think you're feeling good one day, like, you could feel like absolute dog shit the next, and you're always going to have those problems, right? And even still, like I, I acknowledge, like okay, well, I'll still take seventy-five percent of shares or of Kershaw, and that's holding true. Like, like I said, he's it's him, it's Scherzer, and it's Sale, and like a league of their own. And Kershaw is obviously like the cream of the crop. Yeah. I mean, as good as Alex Wood has had of a season, like Clayton Kershaw has been almost twice as valuable as he has. Like, well, let then, that sink in. You know, the other thing I want to bring, just and we we can we can close out on this too. Um, Everybody kind of wants to not discount Madison Bumgarner, but the guy got hurt. Otherwise, like, this was a guy even last year that was having a, a, a comparable season to all four of those guys that you mentioned. So that's another name just to throw in there for the next, you know, for, for the second half of the season. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a guy. Just, yeah. Yeah. Like, you, you look at what he's done since he's been back. Has he been, I don't want to say, like, dominant, but he's had... You know, he, he's had he, he's had good outings. He's had bad out. Like, well, he's only pitched twice and he's pitching. He's pitching tonight. So we'll see what pitched he does tonight. tonight. Yeah, I don't I, I don't have it in front of me what he's done. Actually, I can pull that up. So they're just they're starting. They're just starting now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. OK. OK. Um, so that's all I got, guys. Uh, let's read off what we wound up taking just so that way we have a little uh, we have a little wrap of this. So. Number one overall, Mike Trout. Number two, Jose Altuve. Number three, Bryce Harper. Number four, Paul Goldschmidt. Number five, Charlie Blackman. Number six, Nolan Arenado. Number seven, Carlos Correa. Number eight, Mookie Betts. Number nine, Chris Bryant. Number 10, Trey Turner. Number 11, Joey Votto. Number 12, Aaron Judge. And number 13, Clayton Kershaw. We'll be back next week, and we'll continue this next week. If we have a guest next week, which I think we do, um, we can get them in on this as well and see what they uh, what they think of going forward, what uh, what we should put. But uh, hit us up on Twitter, at Fantasy6Men, at Yancey Eaton, and at MikeyF13. Let us know what you think of our picks. Let us know what you think of the show. If you have any questions, we'll do a mailbag soon and throw them in with us. Until next week, this has been the Dear Mr. Fantasy Podcast, where we put the fan back in fantasy baseball. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Dear Mr. Fantasy Podcast. To join the discussion, please check out the Dear Mr. Fantasy Facebook page, and don't forget to leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. 